sunshine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. An inoculation incentive, transplant patients, yet others still visible, firework penalties getting worse, and uh, new gear for the police department are just some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Good morning. How y'all doing? Y'all all right? Y'all all right out there? I hope that everybody's doing good. Hit the clap button for them and, and let them know that we are in this thing. The Second Harvest City's First Daily Podcast is here. We have a special guest with us today, a dear friend of the show. <clears throat> who's been on this show I lost count <laughs> five times six times no, I think it's more <laughs> yes a lot even did a zoom that went well with us um Sandra Gonzalez is here good morning to you good, good morning, morning to Grace. you dear sister good morning what's new life life is new life is new <laughs> yep um life is always new so we have some things to talk about and also we're going to be um reintroducing the Aurora Rapid Response Team to ourselves and the community. Mm -hmm. um, if you guys are not aware with the response with uh, the Aurora Rapid Response Team, we'll get ready to learn today. We're also going to talk about the initiative coming up on the 10th. Yep. Correct. Yep. All right. Um, so first of all, what's in the future, Doctora Thermos? What you got? What's... Water. Water. Okay. Just water. Oh. Good old fashioned H two O. Essential to life, yes, definitely. Um, so all you guys, good morning to you guys. Good morning, good morning. Um, we have some things to talk about. I'm going to start off with, we'll start off with the fireworks. How do you, well, well first, before we get into the fireworks, <laughs> how do you feel about uh, things after the, quote, raucous, that's the word they used in this article, raucous July 4th weekend? Uh, you know, <laughs> so I live on the west side of Aurora mm -hmm. off of Orchard in Illinois, and um, in my street there's a little cul-de-sac, and so um, throughout the weekend my neighbors were blowing off fireworks. Um, I, you know, I think I'm just, I, I just don't take issue with it as long as people aren't hurting themselves, but that's quite the conundrum because someone always ends up getting hurt. Always, <laughs> always. There's always that one guy who thinks, yeah. I'm going to leave the M80 in my hand and then throw it before it blows yeah. up. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, read about, I read about a guy that lost his like eye because the firework didn't go off. And so, like, he was looking at it, and then it went off. Yeah. What an idiot. Oh, at least, at least my neighbors had the uh, had the capacity to think, like, oh, let's stand back. They actually had a reel tied, like, with a, the button to mm -hmm. set off oh, the okay. fireworks. So I'm just like, okay. Good. Good. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I, I do think that it's a lot more than in previous years. Um but I think you're going to mention this as far as uh, the disciplinary aspect of it goes. Yeah, so the city of Aurora, there is consternation, definitely, about the fireworks. So let's, uh, let's actually get into this. Uh, the mayor and city council um, and city officials are concerned. Aurora is looking at stricter regulations against the use of illegal private fireworks throughout the city. The action comes after the long 4th of July weekend. Alderman Garza of the 2nd Ward said in parts of her ward, where houses are close together, explosions were so loud they broke the windows in one woman's house. Oh, jeez. Wow. Alderman Smith of the 8th Ward and Shakita Hart Burns of the 7th said the fireworks scared senior citizens and traumatized people's pets. Quote, seniors were frightened so bad it was going on until 3 in the morning. We have to love each other enough to say enough is enough. End quote. Mayor Urban agreed. He said the private fireworks displays throughout the city's neighborhoods marred an otherwise triumphal 4th of July weekend and included a city-sponsored and monitored fireworks celebration, the first parade throughout the city in almost two years, and a rock concert at River Edge. It was the first such gathering in the entire, entire Chicago area in almost two years. Time is now 8.05 a.m. So what sounds like, sounds like one should confine their activities simply to city-sponsored events. Or you could just legalize fireworks. 
What do you guys think about legalizing <laughs> fireworks? Let us know in the chat. Good I morning mean, you have to, to everybody. Go to Boston, Indiana to buy the fireworks. Yeah, there's a lot of money on it. They, like, yes, like, yes. Like they will drop like five hundred bucks. I know it doesn't no, get to the more. root of the issue of people just blowing them off haphazardly, but yeah. No, seriously though. I mean, it, it. And let's be. Let's keep it real. You know, they were popping off last night, big time. You know, I, I don't know the sound of a mortar when I hear it. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, bro. It's a school, you know, it's a school night. School night. It's about to be Thursday morning. Like, just yeah. school night? You know, I'm old school. I oh, school, oh you know. there, during the week. week days of yeah, a night you should yeah, go to sleep and wake up. Yeah, school night. School night's any night during the week. Uh, good morning to <laughs> Summer school night. Yeah, exactly. Alyssa O'Cone, good morning to you, you dear friend of the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Allie Hernandez is here. Good hey, morning to you, my Allie. Friends. Yes. <laughs> sisters. Sisters are up in here. Ben Geller, good morning. GAMS, the Great American Morning Show. That is right. And Nicole Astra, what is up, dear sister? Good morning, good morning, Clover and prayer. Do that again, what was that? That's a new sound, I've never heard that. Trey Regal. Oh, that's pretty, yeah. I like that. Born fanfare. I like that, that sounds good. All right, um, so tell us about the Rapid Response Team. This is a reintroduction, um, but for those who are not familiar with it, what is it and uh, when did it start? What do you guys do? Yeah, so uh, actually, I think just to remind our audience that my very first podcast with you was as a result of I think you had listened to like part of our live yep. about anti-blackness in the Latinx community or Latinx communities mm-hmm. and so you said let's extend that yeah so, let's extend that yeah, yeah. so um, we've been friends we've been down <laughs> here hit the can we? Yeah, cheers yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a substitute for the clink right now, y'all. That's a substitute for the clink. Yeah. So, um, for those folks that aren't familiar with the Aurora Rapid Response Team, so we are a community-based organization. We actually got started um, in the summer of 2018. So, um, if you, some of you might recall that. That summer, uh, the former administration um, had actually ramped up uh, immigration raids um, Mm -hmm. as a result of some of the changes in immigration policy and how they were targeting immigrant communities. And in late May of 2018, there were several raids that took place, actually, um, some not too far um, out in Elgin. uh, uh, Elgin, um, Cortland was actually one that did hit the news. Um, that one in particular was a uh, collateral arrest where actually they weren't supposed to be there. They were trying to look for an individual at a different address and what ended up happening was they went to the individual's workplace and ended up uh, detaining eight people. I remember um, that. Yep. And that in that situation actually was an instance of um, racializing the arrests. Um, so there were actually eight uh, Mexican individuals who ended up being detained, um, and they weren't on the warrant for detention. And so after that those series of uh, raids, um, a lot of people in the Aurora community, they were some of them were already doing the work of um, being vigilant as far as ICE or so the um, Immigration Customs Enforcement. They fall under the Department of Homeland Security. Um, we were all very vigilant. We were, some of us were already doing that work in terms of letting people know if there was a sighting or if there were rumors of ICE being in the area. Right. And so we ended up uh, partnering with ICER, the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights, and we said, you know, this is an issue. A lot of people um, are nervous. And so what ended up happening was that July, we came together and formed um, a rapid response workshop to learn about how it is that we um, get how it is that we would best address the issue of 
um, ICE rumors, people potentially being detained, the effects of that. And we actually did that with uh, Family Focus Aurora. So they lent us the space and there were 50 plus people in attendance and it was standing room only. Um, and so that, out of that evolved a need to say, you know, how do we centralize um, these efforts so that we're consistently learning and evolving along with the changes in immigration policy. So we decided to come together um, out of a series of uh, community workshops and right. decided, you know, we need a official rapid response team. Um, and the term rapid response isn't new. It can be used in a series of contexts that include um, now we're talking about community safety, talking about um, even neighborhood groups could potentially have rapid response groups, um, you know, tending to emergencies and of that nature. And so we decided that we would come together, keep growing our group of rapid responders to address the issue of if there are rumors of ice in the area, if there is um, an individual who has been detained, um, going out and doing the work of uh, following up with that, investigating, um, essentially the name in itself, rapid responder, going out and um, you know, essentially doing the investigative work and finding out you know, who's been detained, who's been affected, how can we help. Um, and out of that summer, we started meeting and that became the Aurora Rapid Response Team, being able to educate, uh, advocate, and investigate for our immigrant communities. And we keep and continue doing that. So we've been doing a lot of Know Your Rights and Rapid Response workshops, and it's grown to our network of 30 plus people. Um, and we're continuing to develop as we go. Hit the clap for that. I think that that was really, yeah. Well, I didn't, audience, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that is right. Um, now I recall that uh, Aurora had uh, decreed that they weren't going to work with ICE at that time. Was that correct? So the mayor made a statement about that at that time. So um, I think we have to look at also the state policies of the mm -hmm. whole in relation to um, uh, some of our municipalities. So in 2017, um, then Governor Rauner had actually passed um, after much coalition building with some of uh, well-known um, immigration organizations, the Illinois Trust Act, which stipulated that um, local law enforcement couldn't work with ICE. Uh -huh. um, and so uh, there were some um, concessions made in relation to that, um, but at, ultimately it gets at the point of, you know, keeping that separation between what the responsibilities are of local law enforcement versus at the federal level. Do you think that uh, do you think that a decision would have been taken not to work with ICE had there not been a uh, governor's order for ICE uh, not being allowed to work with police departments? So there was a time when um, there was a group, <clears throat> the Aurora Freedom Coalition, was working on. Uh, passing an ordinance to make Aurora a welcoming or the politicized term a sanctuary city as Chicago is one. Um, and this hits at the point about uh, Mayor Irving discussing um, and also affirming that the APD wouldn't be working with ICE. Um, we wanted to further solidify and put into writing and codify that um, there would be no way that the city itself would be working with ICE. Um, but out of those conversations was what resulted in, yes, the mayor did state that they aren't working with ICE regardless. However, there does need to be mentioned that 
Um, there also are false narratives surrounding the issue of becoming a welcoming city, which the mayor did state at that time that they felt that they would have a target on their back, that it would affect their the federal dollars that the city was receiving, which that is actually a false narrative. Chicago is actually an example of when they became a welcoming city, the Trump administration had threatened to pull federal funding that the city was receiving, but was found unconstitutional right. twice. And so <clears throat> that was part of the claim um, that the mayor was bringing up the argument around the economics um, and the federal funding that the city receives. But looking at Chicago as a case was not, that's a myth. And so um, unfortunately, we weren't able to pass that ordinance, but they do ascribe to the notion that they don't work with ICE. Yeah. Um, however, uh, they're, you know, especially at the county level too, um, they don't, they supposedly don't work with ICE. Um, however, you know, that ascription to that belief of having to have them close is also something else that we've been um, looking into as far as still having some sort of tie to ICE to get ahead of whatever it is that they might want to know. I have a specific question about that. Just that very thing. <laughs> the time is now 8.17 a.m. Um, we're going to give these folks some news and then we'll come to that. Uh, L News, Bizzle Tizzle L, yes. You're just tuning in. You are listening to and watching Good Morning World, the second largest city's first daily podcast, and we have breaking news. Okay, so the first piece of breaking news actually is really cute. Actually. So, a date night tonight is being planned with one of our wonderful listeners, and they're going to go to the Aurora Regional Fire Museum for movie date night. And stop by the lemonade stand after that. Oh, that's cute. Hit the clap for that. I, I, that's some, yeah, I thought that was cute. Yeah, that's cute. Sure. It's a good date. The lemonade stand that he's speaking of, I'll uh, drop that for you guys a little bit later, but there's a young lady who is uh, hosting a lemonade stand. Uh, she's been doing it for many years, and the proceeds of which are all going to Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry. Shouts out. Anna's Custom Treats is here as well. Good morning, Anna Sierra, you wonderful person, you. Yes, Tia, Jenny, I think I know who that is. Hello to you. And Norma Peterson, the one, the only, GMS, GAMS, the Great American Morning Show. That is correct. We are here. I recall uh, Anna's Custom Treats wanted to do a coffee meetup. That's still it. Oh, I didn't forget either. I didn't forget either. That's still and also, um, <laughs> I, 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 I think I was promised Treadwell. <laughs> did, you, did you reply back to the, you did? I didn't see it. Damn, my bad. Well, coffee's on me that day then. Alright. Coffee's on me that day. I did Calling not see you that. out, Curtis. No, good. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, we, and then, and call, we call out. Back in. Yeah, exactly. We call, we call out. One should be called out on. That is right. That is democracy right there. And democracy is not a spectator sport. But here is that news, you guys. Good morning, Mr. Barrero. Good morning to you, sir. All right. Hey, Dan. <laughs> here is that news. So uh, two types of art news, you guys. One that is uh, the first of its kind. Well, both are the first of their kind, but uh, one that is health and one that is pure art. Inoculation Incentive, an art festival called Back the Vax, scheduled for the 31st in downtown Aurora, will encourage residents to get their COVID-19 shots. I the think festival that's really cool. will be held in downtown Aurora at the end of the month. The announcement of the Aurora Fest came Wednesday as a, uh, a day after uh, President Biden renewed his call for Americans to get vaccinated as the pace of people receiving the vaccine around the country remains relatively flat. On the 31st, this art festival will be held from 4 to 10 p.m. at Water Street Square across from City Hall in downtown Aurora. The Aurora event is part of a larger network of efforts to get residents in the state vaccinated that includes artists from 24 regions across Illinois. More than 72 vaccination projects are planned for the summer around the state. Now, that's, that's part one. That is what's up. Shouts out. 
That is where the, the uh, claps for that. Huh? Where are the claps for that? Yeah, well, I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, what's? I mean, what's really? The people wondering, like, yo, are we healthy? Are we promoting <laughs> health? Are we not promoting health? All right. Now here's number two. Told you guys about this uh, Tuesday. Uh, Bomb the lot. The artistic talent of Aurora will be on display in late August during Bomb the Lot, the city's first street art exhibition. City public art officials are calling for streets artists to apply to paint a section of wall in parking lot H, 14 Middle Avenue. Uh, for those of you trying to picture that, that's that lot right there behind Dakari. That big open lot. Nothing's in it. Uh, that's a lot of wall. Think about it. So the next time you're at that intersection or you're creeping up, take a look to your left. Boom. That's a lot of wall. Uh, using any style or content you want, artists are encouraged to apply. The painting on August 28th will take place during a weekend celebration of arts throughout downtown. And unlike most city art projects, all permissions have already been obtained for the space. Artists will not be required to submit designs for approval prior to installation. That's not first. Yep. The murals will be spontaneous street art. Shout out, excuse me, shouts out to Jen Evans, Aurora Public Art Director and dear friend of the show. The time is 8.22 a.m. Okay, now, Sandra, let's get back to that part that we were talking about. And for those who just tuned in listening, we're here with Sandra Gonzalez, dear friend of the show, her 183rd uh, interview episode on Good Morning <laughs> Aurora. Not that many, but definitely more than five. Um, let's get back to the part about the Kane County Sheriff's Office and their uh, working with ICE or the ambiguity of if they are, if they're not, if they should if they should so, so let me be clear there as of right now at no point has there have they worked with ice they right. do work with dhs there is a difference now the 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 line of it all you know for folks that aren't you know aware of how the how dhs is structured so there's the department of homeland security right under that falls you know tsa we've seen them at the airport there's cbp which is customs and border patrol mm -hmm. there's ice who we normally uh, engage with that right. doesn't mean that it doesn't fall outside the scope of just dhs in general um and so there are all of these uh, offices that work in tandem with one another, depending on what it is that they're trying to target or seek out. Right. So that's why I say, while they don't they don't work with ICE, you know, they collaborate with DHS. Sure, sure. So right. I want to clarify that they do benefit from their funding. That's how they fund their. Uh, progressive jail rehabilitation programs. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to clarify that um, in the past when we have had dialogue with um, the Kane County Sheriff surrounding the issue of immigration, um, we have been told that they still wish to have some communication with ICE to get ahead. Do you agree or disagree with that communication? I disagree with that communication. Why is that? Because I think that it still perpetuates that notion of continuing to police our immigrant communities in a way that is not effective at all. Um, you know, continuing to pre-criminalize them before they've even had a chance to, you know, um, demonstrate you know who they who they are and i think that that you know goes ties in with just you know over the last year dialogues around policing as it relates to communities that continue to be marginalized i agree with the spirit of that the letter for me is ultimately different. The reason why is because 
if it could be, if there was a magic wand to be waved, a legal one, that would dictate that only in uh, serving high-risk warrants on high-value targets as part of a task force for known uh, criminals and members of transnational trafficking gangs and the like, I would like ICE to be in full cooperation with said law enforcement agency. So I would, I, I would, I would, uh, I would be happy if after the execution of that warrant on Target X, who amongst other things um, is eligible for deportation, I would like ICE to be involved and ultimately deport that person. The line for me is drawn at ICE raiding a factory for a guy who happens to be in the country illegally, but the crime here is failure to show to court for a DUI that's four years old. That to me is a waste of resources, and that to me is what adds to the marginalization and the unfair targeting of immigrant communities. So, <clears throat> just to backtrack a little bit, so this isn't the, the targeting of immigrant communities and the ramping up of raids isn't something new to the former Trump administration. This actually started, um, you know, even prior to the Obama administration. Sure. And Obama, you know, some folks, you know, like to hail him as, you know, the person that, you know, was, <clears throat> was, um, the one to really um, target some of these issues around immigration, but he also had a hand in further perpetuating the targeting. And some people aren't aware of that and how it is that um, immigration really became to uh, show more in the media as a result of that. And the conflation around um, him you know, being someone who was fair, had fair immigration practices, um, we also have to look at how it is that immigration policy has developed over time, even going as far back as Reagan. And so we have to think about, regardless of party, how it is that we are developing policies around who it is that it helps and who it doesn't. And so in relation to uh, immigration, um, there was that definition around, you know, who it is that really, really warrants um, being a security risk. But isn't country. that, but isn't that, 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 it's clear. It's, 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 what could be clearer, right? It's clear, I think, isn't it? Is it, is it just if someone has done the time, you know, they had a record from say a decade ago and has integrated themselves into their community. Yeah. And as a result, maybe it might be a case of they happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Hence, what I mentioned, the collateral arrests where multiple people get detained. Or it could be that as a result of that history, you know, some we do have um, uh, gang databases where people might still be in that database for a long time. Uh, they could have been affiliated with that, or it might have been that they were there at the wrong place at the wrong time. That stays with people. It, it does. And, and, and it stays with people for a while to the point where they don't often get removed. And so when you think about how it is that we further criminalize people <clears throat> and 
how it that affects in people within immigrant communities and you look at the way that ICE has ultimately determined who it is that you further criminalize, there really isn't much of a distinction then between who it is that poses a security threat. I think, and I, to, but to reiterate though, we're not, you know, we're not talking about, we're not talking about person X who, again, you know, four years ago had a drunk driving incident, you know, has since paid the fines, but is here in the country illegal. That, you know, he's in the good category. We're not we're ongoing, persistent, subject of the investigation because surveillance footage is showing X, Y, and Z. Current, now, member of the fill-in-the-blank, you know, trafficking weapons, ongoing investigation into current criminal activity. Not, you know, person did three years, 10 years ago, right? That's 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 pretty clear. Current criminal activity. I what's wrong with that? I think that when you look at the previous administration and even the one before that, at that point, you know, how far how far away from what that instance of criminality was still continues to follow that person. And while ideally we'd like to think that we live in a society where we think once people have, um, you know, done their due diligence of serving time and, you know, doing what has to be done, you would think that that's something that is then, you know, closure, forgotten about, and that's and that's one and done. Unfortunately, the reality is that that's something that is that is attached to that person for the rest of their life. And when you think about the implications of someone who might be black, brown, um, indigenous, someone who is part of these communities that all intersect, whether it's our immigrant communities, um, our communities, uh, black communities, round communities, what have you, eventually, you know, all of those things are intertwined. So for someone who is in immigrant, living in, in immigrant communities, and yes, they might have, you know, done the time for the sake of, you know, holding them accountable. But at the end of the day, we're still talking about communities that are further marginalized as a result of, let's say, they might not be a U.S. citizen. They could be someone with a visa. They could be someone who um, has uh, legal permanent status or someone who's undocumented. So there is a line drawn as far as you could still be, you know, rehabilitated and I say that loosely um, but but still at the same time when we think about the our law enforcement institutions you still have that criminality attached that follows you the time is now 8.34 a.m. this is a good conversation this is the kind of stuff I like talking about early in the morning All right, um, let's, a little bit of news, and then we're gonna jump right back. If you guys are just tuning in and listening and watching, you're watching Good Morning Roar, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. So I saw something that I needed to let you guys know about. Oh, and also we're gonna tell you about Marie Wilkinson Food Pantry Initiative coming up here. Oh wait, here it is right here. That is right. The vote is set on new uh, gear for the APD. Uh, The Aurora City Council is set to vote upon a little more than $2 million in new equipment for the Aurora Police Department. The equipment would include a digital storage room for the new officer body camera system the city purchased, as well as new tasers and new dashboard cameras for squad cars. 
Due to the choice of the Axon Enterprise Fleet 3 system of dashboard cameras that integrates with the new body cams, the city will save $282,810 off the $2.9 million body camera purchase. That's according to Sergeant Thurman. Sergeant Thurman presented the information on the support equipment purchase this week to the city council, which agreed to put the item on next week's regular city council meeting consent agenda. That means it is likely to be approved. If approved, the city would spend $1.68 million for the purchase installation of the new dashboard cameras for squad cars and $313,350 for 150 new tasers. Interestingly enough, the new tasers would replace the 26 the department currently has. Police officials have said the department bought the old tasers about 10 years ago and never increased the number. Interesting. Okay, and then I got something else to tell you guys about here. Um, Bizzle Tizzle, would you let them know that it's time for L. L. L is an E. Oh, all right. Mutual Ground is hiring, and they are hiring for a variety of positions. You can go to mutualground.org slash about slash careers for more information. The, uh, the positions are as follows. Clinical manager of the substance use, of, excuse me, substance abuse use services. Finance specialist. Prevention educator, prevention educator of sexual violence, prevention education, relief advocate therapists for family counseling, a therapist for counseling services, and a victim advocate third shift, which is part-time and residential services. Shout out to our friends of Mutual Ground. Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry, Ribbon Cutting, don't forget the 10th, 10 a.m. to noon, 834 North Highland Avenue in Aurora. Join them for the official ribbon cutting of the new Playful Learning Installation at the community garden. Hit the claps for our dear friends of Mutual Ground. They doing, y'all doing good things. Y'all been doing good things. We love it, we love it. The time is now 8.38 a.m. Okay, so now. I just, I, I love that you just have this old school newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the beacon first. Yeah, word up. Um, yeah, you know, Here's the thing. I love the news and I love the paper. I I have loved the paper ever since and I'm old enough to remember when the paper was all there was. It was it was it. And strangely enough, at one point in time in my life, my goal was to be one of those guys on the train reading this paper in the morning going to work and uh, working downtown, sipping my coffee. Stop being goofy. Uh, seriously. <laughs> and I achieved that. It was called Corporate America. And I hope I never go don't, back. Don't talk to me I hope I never America. go back. <laughs> that was pre-COVID, riding the Metro every single day. But I met dear friends, Jordan Eichelberger. Good morning to you if you're listening. The time is 8.39 a.m. Okay, now let's get back to what the heck we were talking about. All right, so I can see that you will not concede or countenance any presence or working with ICE by local law enforcement, no matter how I serve it up, no matter how uh, how juicy the garnish is that I put on the side of that plate, you simply will not partake so I guess the question is, is why that, do we attach criminality to people well we can we can come back to it but I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess I that guess that is the question I, though because well, well, because we have to think about here you know our preconceived notions of people and I am and I know that sometimes you know there are going to be these I know that there are going to be people who comment and say, you know, I we don't look at race, we look at the whole of people as human beings. But I think that's also a testament to, you know, you know, we still have people who are colorblind. If we if we do not 
acknowledge that, you know, there, unfortunately, in, in our society, race is intertwined in everything that we engage with. All right, hold on, hold on. Now, you know very well that I know that it is, it is simply just ridiculous that we don't look at where we're not you know that i know that race is entwined and everything and even if uh, you know that i know that already and i'm not directing it at you i know i know but that's i know but that's not where i was going and again we're not talking about you know we're, we're not we're not talking about people who are still being judged for their past. We're not talking about people who had a past, paid for it, and still reside in a traditionally marginalized community. We're not even talking about people who had a past, reside currently in a marginalized community, and are undocumented residents. We're talking about a specific slice. But that specific, that tiny slice is then, is, is then about, conflated and no, ascribed to the people in general. We're not talking about the people in general. I know we're not talking and, about people in general. However, subjects, I know I know of, that we are talking about a specific subset of quote unquote Criminality. No, that, no, see, no, no, there no, is no. no unquote. See, I no, didn't, no, I didn't because, present, I didn't no, present because, an unquote. Because this is how we, when we start to be very, very specific about who it is that we're targeting, but we're not being, we're not delineating how it is that we go about that in a way that doesn't harm families or doesn't harm the doesn't harm communities overall that gets conflated to the general immigrant population but and i'm the not general, presenting conflated information you're I, I, not I, presenting I, conflated information but i'm what this is but this psychologically speaking it gets conflated to the point where we are seeing what we're seeing today. Let me tell you a story. Maybe, maybe let me come into a different way. The time is now eight forty-four a.m. Let me come into a different way. When I lived in San Diego, I lived in a neighborhood. I lived in Chula Vista, and I lived like Avenue L, right around by the Chula Vista Mall. Pretty nice. Yeah, it was all right. One morning. I arose to the sound of absolute chaos. I thought the world was ending. It was the most wildest stuff. I peeked out the window, there was lights. It was crazy. Uh, the San Diego Police Department, in conjunction with, I think the DEA, not sure, uh, raided a house where apparently from what i read there were the uh, the residents were trafficking firearms and drugs and i think maybe one or two people uh were eventually deported this was years ago are you saying that in that current investigation which produced crime the individuals involved, eligible for deportation, should not be deported. No. Okay. We got there. Now, why? People don't just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to sell firearms and drugs. People with a 12-year history of narcotics trafficking and weapons trafficking who are members of organization whatever 
who have been the subject of a 12-month investigation with surveillance and and purchases from undercover officers they thought were also members of Organization X. Woke up 12 years ago <laughs> and have since been doing said activity. So now we're, I, we're I deviating into no, a conversation. No, 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 we're not deviating. We're, we're, not, we're, we're getting we're into a conversation place. about, you know, the cycle of the, no. the, there's there are the cycle of you know we have a we have a growing um we have a growing issue around you know what it means to get into the these instances of trafficking that includes firearms and drugs but you also have to get at the root of why you know sure. and, and, and while we and, get and while and we get in the while, cycles yeah, sure. of, of sure while we get it while we get at that root right out of the eight individuals charged two of them are eligible for deportation notice i'm saying eligible you don't think they should be deported let me jump in really quick so I want to see if I can understand kind of like both your sides. Of this like, is the best conversation we've ever had. <laughs> so from what I kind of get, Curtis is kind of thinking, okay, um, like like deportation for people that are, are undocumented for, or whatever um, should be allowed or should be able to get deported or removed from the country for like serious crimes, drug trafficking, murder, uh, stuff like that, like really serious, heinous things. And I think maybe Sandra, you're kind of coming at it from the fact that, um, how to explain it? So that any sort of deportation or any sort of criminalization of just being here like that or being kicked out maybe is overall hurts the community because then it what it, you, it, it makes every it makes it makes it makes that entire community or group or culture seem bad because of that. That's included in that in that manifestation of a larger issue. Real quick, and, the time is now eight forty eight a.m. And I think it gets to the the root of the systemic issues that are involved in that. In that, you know, we're experiencing higher um, incidences of poverty throughout the country that are correlated with. BIPOC communities in which they don't decide just out of the blue that this is what I'm going to do. It's that it's also economically tied and we are putting people in positions where, you know, there's that need for survival. And it, yes, it might include having to traffic firearms and drugs, but is but incarceration as a whole, what, including deportation, isn't going to stop the issue of trafficking drugs and firearms. It really is doing more harm as a result of not addressing well, why do we have to resort to these issues? I'm just... Uh, and... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Excuse me. And tying back to the work of advocating for immigrant communities, you're more often than not going to find people who are, you know, are committing low-level offenses or are also of mis mistaken identity. But you're bringing up low-level offenses and mistaken identity, and I'm not bringing those up. I'm not even... I'm, I am separating. I'm not. I'm not bringing up... As I mentioned, I think that... I think... Getting arrested in front of your, taking your two-year-old to, to daycare and getting arrested for a missed court date for a suspended license 
four years ago and being deported back to Honduras at the age of 48 with no criminal record here in America, I think that's absolutely deplorable. That's not who I'm talking about. The time is 8.51 a.m. Now, hold on. We got we to gotta do a little bit of L News here. We got to do... You don't got to... It's not exactly L News, but uh, I have to tell folks. So, Chicago uh, recently raised minimum wage to $15 an hour. We put that in the uh, chat for you guys on Monday. So, please check out that great article. Um, but struggling employers thank teens willing to fill open jobs. I wanted to highlight this because I thought this was a very positive and uh, actually very well-written article. Uh, the owners of restaurants, amusement parks, and retail shops, many of them desperate for workers, are sounding the, an unusual note of gratitude this summer. Thank goodness for teenagers. Uh, as the U.S. economy bounds back with unexpected, unexpected speed excuse me, from the pandemic recession and customer demand intensifies, high school-age kids are filling jobs that older workers can't or won't. The result is that teens who are willing to bust restaurant tables or serve as water park lifeguards are commanding $15, $17 or more an hour, plus bonuses in some instances or money to help pay for school classes. The trend marks a shift from the period after the 2007 to 9 Great Recession when older workers often took such jobs and teens were sometimes squeezed out. Very, very, very good news. I thought that that was... Hit the clap for that because I thought that that was something that was really, really good. All right, so uh, good morning to all of you wonderful people. We are doing it in today. Yes, the paper is very thin today. Um, uh, <laughs> I agree with that, actually. It is yeah. thin. Ah. So I'm, I'm making fun of you for the paper, and you're, uh, try you said you remember when the paper was more prolific, and mm -hmm. I do remember that, too. Yep. Those were the days. <laughs> I'm at the, the tail end of the millennial mm -hmm. uh, spectrum, I guess, yeah. where, I, where I still remember, you know, there being papers. Seriously, and the sad thing about it is, is like, the good, the middle of this is mostly like cartoons and horoscopes and all kinds of word puzzles. So the news is very thin, you guys, but uh, we have, you know, this show got all the news you need. The time is now 8.53 a.m. Okay, here's the thing. We got to talk. Tracy Duran tells us she really appreciates the conversation topic. She tries best to understand these issues and a lot of times gets flustered with how some folks are treated uh, excuse me, practically continuously decade after decade. As humans, we should be better than this. We need to treat everyone as humans, not based on where they are from or the color of their skin. Tracy appreciates uh, growing up with everyone, oh, excuse me, she grew up appreciating everyone and their backgrounds and cultures. Amen to that. Sandra, do you have any data to support your concerns in Aurora is a question from one of our listeners. Uh, and thank you. 1998. Holy cow. That takes me back. 1998. Wow. 1998. I was a sophomore in high school. Holy cow. 1998. I was five years old. Damn. <laughs> that's... <laughs> This show is bridging the gap, yo. <laughs> cheers that up. Um, to, cheers, cheers up that To Dan's question. So I've worked with Dan. Mm -hmm. I know him I'm from having sat on the Aurora Hispanic Heritage Advisory Board. And um, I do not have the data in my pocket right now, but I can certainly get that to him. All right. Um, now... Oh, that's what I was going to do. I'm sorry, you guys. I am sorry. The time mm -hmm. is 8.55 a.m. I have one more important thing to tell you. Oh, hopefully you guys went to the uh, job fair at Prisco yesterday, hosted by State Representative Barbara Hernandez of the 83rd District. It was from 3 to 6. I saw people there, and you know, I told you once, I told you again, when we tell you to get jobs, people get hired. I'm telling you. Told you about the Kane County event. Four people got jobs. Boom, boom, boom. So if you hear about jobs on this show... You better holla. Mm -hmm. Okay. Aurora Township, <clears throat> Phase Pork Chop Barbecue Fundraiser, uh, Monday, August 9th, 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. Dinners are $15. drive through or carry out only. 313 Gale Street is the address, and funds go towards youth scholarships in Aurora. 
Cotton Seed Creative Exchange. They have a sidewalk sale all this weekend, the 9th, the 10th, the 11th, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, 8 North Broadway. Shouts out to Cotton Seed Creative Exchange. And last, but certainly not least, our community partners, Southwest Kane County Triad, uh, Aurora Township, Senior Services Associates, Kane County Sheriff's Office, and Fox Valley Park District. Don't forget, do not forget the annual Triad Picnic for Seniors. August 10th, which is a Tuesday from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. The cost is $3. Everybody got that, so make sure that you're there. Uh, it will be at Phillips Park Pavilion, 1000 Ray Moses Drive. Seniors can register online or in person at any Fox Valley Community Center by uh, August 1st. To register online, use code 112-007-01. That's 112-007-01 or register by phone with Senior Services Associates, 630-897-4035. The number again is 630-897-4035. Can I give a quick uh, shout out for something I want to sure. promote? Yes, you can. So, Dr. Goldman? Yeah. Yes, uh, Dr. Right. Dr. Manny Goldman, we're having a uh, fundraiser for the Judah Robinson Foundation. Uh, the Judah Robinson Foundation helps to provide um, mental health care for uh, vulnerable populations, specifically the homeless population. Uh, and they're doing a fundraiser on the 31st. It's going to be a uh, drag show bingo uh, sort of like show. Um, they're gonna have yeah bingo refreshments. Uh, they're gonna have like a f anime photo booth from what I've been being told. Oh snap! Um, there's also gonna be uh, photo op stuff. A lot of fun stuff that's gonna be going on. Um, uh, tickets uh, are fifty dollars. Uh, all the all the proceeds benefit the foundation. So yeah, we I'm encouraging everyone to uh, check it out. Uh, there is a I'll give a link. Yeah, chat for it. Word up. Um, Hit the clap for Dr. Goldman because that's yeah. the that's the, the those are friends friends of our show. So uh, we actually have a few events coming up too. All right, the yeah. Know Your Rights training. Yes. So the Aurora Rapid Response Team has a Know Your Rights training uh, via Zoom this Saturday at ten thirty a.m. Um, and it'll be an hour. And what we're trying to do with that is. Even if you have been trained before, maybe it's been a while, just a refresher, and that goes in tandem with our Know Your Rights Walk that's happening Saturday the 17th uh, from at 10.30 to noon. So we're essentially going to Canvas um, on the east side over starting at the parking lot on the Walgreens off of Union um, and passing out Know Your Rights cards to the community. And then this same Saturday, uh, the 10th, we are partnering with the Elgin Coalition for Immigrant Rights and doing a rapid response workshop from 1 to 3 out in Elgin. And all of that information is on our Facebook page. Wonderful. Wonderful. We ben, will share the page of information. What up? Ben wanted to see what, what I'm drinking. Yes, Ben, uh, there's the can of crack <laughs> that... Bizzle Tizzle is drinking today. Okay, so so what's next besides the events for the rapid response team? So we're actually in the process of um, trying to branch out and be more intentional about how it is that we address um, intersectional issues within our immigrant communities. So tackling issues of um, anti-blackness in our communities. It's not just um, isolated to our Latinx communities. It's also something that <clears throat> um, is intertwined in our spectrum of our communities. Um, also trying to address, you know, what is it, what does community safety look like? Hence the work that we're doing as a rapid response team, you know, that's very much um, rooted in community and neighborhood and re those relationships so trying to get to um the root of you know how is it that even just as like neighbors how we can help each other out in that aspect um and that's not even just relegated to immigrant communities it's as a whole in general you know how is it that we can best 
help each other out as a community. Um, and then, you know, really t trying to get more at, you know, amplifying the political education that we are providing, you know, the bulk of it is knowing your rights and rapid response, but we also want to start branching out into, um, you know, organizing, you know, what does it look like to um, have dialogue in community with your elected officials, with people who might not be as um, engaged necessarily, but, you know, are looking for ways to help. And so... Dialogue like this. Exactly. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think... Um, I think my friend Nick Thompson uh, Shout says out. it best, you know, if you aren't plugged into an organization, a community organization already, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of community based organizations in Aurora alone that are doing a lot of good work. And so just, you know, if there's something that you're passionate about, you know, evaluate your capacity to and, you know, plug yourself in and do do what you can um, using your skills and talents um, you know it's it's something that I think is important as we continue to develop uh, our communities and also just an understanding you know um, there's a lot of knowledge that can be um, acquired in joining a community organization that can also be spread throughout your own communities too and I think that's important the time is now 9.02 a.m. We appreciate Sandra for coming on the show once again to do a reintroduction of the Aurora Rapid Response Team. We appreciate everything the team does, and uh, we have been proud to share the team's activities, and we will continue to do so. We wish you and the squad all the best. Absolutely. Um, so we hope that you guys enjoyed the show today. Uh, old School The Voice. Shouts out. Sandra, much respect from Ben. Hit the claps. Word up. Word up. She's in here. Refreshing, respectful dialogue. Thank you for that. Not a problem. That's all we do. What? See? Oh! Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, I hope that you guys have a blessed, positive, wonderful. Oh, that's right. L News, real quick. Hold on. Before we go, this is it. This is it after this. All right, uh, VNA, VNA Healthcare on Highland. Shouts out. Uh, walk ins for COVID vaccines on Thursday. The Johnson & Johnson one dose is being offered. Absolutely wonderful. Ben, have a good date night tonight. Um, tune in, YouTube, Spotify. Subscribe to the show if you guys are not already subscribed. We do everything we can to bring you guys local Aurora news and interesting discussions like this. Uh, tune in tomorrow for another episode of Jeanette's Playing. We hope that you guys have a positive, wonderful day and a good upcoming weekend. Take care of yourself and each other. <laughs>